0: These punitive damages are, are massive, and it's clear that Monsanto, with its history, they've been getting hit pretty hard with these punitive damages, and um, I know that you've mentioned a lot about how the board that oversees the company, right, they they're, they need to feel safe, and they want the investors to feel safe and think that they're not going to be hitting getting hit with these numbers consistently. How, I mean, how are they managing? Because, I mean, that is 700 million, over 700 million for seven people. Um, they and they have other products that are also getting massive punitive damages. How do they have the money of for this? First of all, and then second, you know, how are, are they planning on just continuing to pay? I mean, that just seems so unsustainable. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing. Prioritizing. Dangerous
1: pro- drug and product cases.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas! Welcome, everyone. Uh, to the first ever Christmas episode of Prioritizing <laughs> Profits. Um, for any listeners that uh, can't see, I am wearing a Christmas hat. Um, doesn't really fit too well, but...
1: <laughs> the headphones seem to interfere. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, in my head, I imagined both of us wearing Christmas hats and it being this whole festive episode. And then minutes before, you made me realize... <laughs> uh, made things a little bit more realistic. That with the headphones and well,
1: little complicated. Yeah,
0: it's complicated.
1: Well, and then I had these like <clears throat> big, um, like present bow earrings that I was going to wear. I'm like, wait a minute, I have headphones on, I can't wear earrings. So then I put on a festive Christmas necklace, but it was jangling so much that it was interfering. So we were not. But I'm in. I'm in bright red. Well, that's it's very Christmasy here and Christmas. holiday esque. So. That's the best we can do.
0: Yeah. And uh, when this comes out, Christmas will be over. Um, so we might be a little late. However, for us, it is right before Christmas, the Wednesday before Christmas. Um, so, so you guys get to celebrate Christmas vibes with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, another week, another episode. Happy to be back. How we doing? How we feeling? How's this weekend? Uh, yeah. How are you doing?
1: All good. Um, weekend was busy with um, holiday celebrations. We had a party Saturday night, uh, which was really fun. Um, saw a lot of people. Got you know, did the little festive dress up and you know, food, dancing, the whole nine and yards. You
0: had a party on Saturday. Were you hosting it? Oh
1: God, no, no, no. Okay. We we attended a party on Saturday. Uh, see, that's the friends, best way to go about it's it. It's the way to you go. Get to
0: go, have fun, and then not uh, have to deal with. The
1: aftermath, or yeah, sneak out when it's time to go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to be up at all hours cleaning up. And uh,
0: I, I, I think that's my favorite part is being able to sneak out and leave <laughs> because, um, like, I think it was last weekend or two weekends ago when Christina's uh, office, like, they had a Christmas office yeah, party and yeah, right. I hosted it. Uh, my first thought was, wow, I'm going to have to stay here and like do the entire thing right from beginning to end you have to make you have to you're there until the last person leaves. Uh, and that's, that's slightly overwhelming. Wait,
1: was the whole party at your house? Not that just no, the pregame? No, it
0: was just the pregame, but, oh, okay. but it was long. Like, they probably started at 6.30, and originally the plan was like, oh, 5, 5.30. And then one of the girls was like, oh, no, we need more time, 4.30. Jesus, two hours for a pregame? My God.
1: I wouldn't make it to the actual game if I was pregaming That's. that long, I mean, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's, and it's work. I mean, come on, you can't be <laughs> plastered at a work event.
1: Right, right. And you were hosting for two yeah. hours. That's that's impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, party this weekend. Yeah, so we
1: had the party on Saturday night, and then we went to um, Mr. Bing's holiday show on Sunday night, which was really fabulous. Have
0: you been recently to that?
1: Well, it, so during the season, he has them about once a month, um, although there wasn't one in November. So the last one was October, then there's the December, and then we're all, we'll also be there for the New Year's um, event.
0: And they're... Different themes, right? Each one?
1: Well, they are different performers. And so this one, um, it was uh, Carol Bufford from, she flew in from New York, and she's um, a actually pretty well-known cabaret singer. And she did this, you know, just amazing show.
0: Cabaret.
1: Cabaret. Yeah. And, you know, she even made a joke about people, you know, what people think of as cabaret. And so she said right. it's like vintage pop. Um, so it's kind of like old school cabaret, not, you know, new school cabaret, which often involves stripping. There was no stripping. Right.
0: I mean, I don't think it's necessarily new school cabaret. I don't think there is cabaret. Uh, I guess, yeah, kind of. But, I mean, you watch episodes, like, of, of Mad Men. Mad Men, and they're like, oh, let's hit the cabaret with a nice whiskey. And then it's the whole, you know, shebang, shaboom, nudity.
1: Okay. There was no nudity. No, no, no. nudity. Oh. <laughs> but it was a really, really good show. Um, really amazing. Um, he's bringing in these, um, uh, you know, famous people from New York. Um, the, now, the New Year's show will be a little bit different, and so this is actually a fundraiser for Arts Express Theater here in Tucson, mm. and so there are performers, singers, and dancers from uh, the theater core that will be performing, and there'll be um, casino tables, Ooh. and then the other thing that I like most about it, well, not most, but one of the things that I really like about it is that it's it's called uh, New Broadway or New Year's on Broadway, so it's New York time, which means The ball will drop at 10 o'clock our time, which is midnight in New York. Mm -hmm. So we'll do our whole New Year festivities at 10 and be home probably by 11. Wow. And can snuggle with the dogs as the New Year, as 2024 comes in. uh, None of this crazy driving home when all of the crazy drunks are leaving their parties.
0: Yeah, I think New New York New Year's celebration is just a very pleasant way to say elderly. Celebration, Oh you know, for the old folks that can't make it till midnight. Don't worry, we'll celebrate the the New York one. Oh, New York's too too uh, too late for you. Fine, we'll do the the Australian one. That's at five p.m. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. That's not like get crazy, but, you know, but New York is like, you know, the cool place. No, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think
0: and honestly it is smart. Like I think I didn't even think about that with the crazy driving and the risk oh, of drunk drivers gosh. after midnight.
1: Well, and then all of the, you know, the Ubers are nuts. I mean, yeah. everything's just, I mean, I've, Chaos. we've done it before and, you know, Ubered around and, you know, you have to wait a long time and I don't know. It's just, anyway, this, that's what we're doing this year. So.
0: Very exciting. Very exciting. And we do have Christmas as well um so mr bings i mean that sounds awesome the fact that it's very well rounded with the casinos as well as the play um and the performance i mean mean, that's just
1: oh and it's also a dinner it's also dinner theater so you have a full italian meal um, full bar and i know so if you and christina want to come we'll hook you up
0: i mean i might be down for that that sounds like a good time um Okay. All right. Well, that, that, that does sound very fun. And we will be, I think we have another episode next week before New Year's, yes, though.
1: Yes, we do. So next Wednesday, also. Yeah. Okay. And New Year's, I think, is Sunday or Monday again. Good Lord. Yeah, I something like that. I don't know. Oh, I think it's Sunday. Well, New Year's Eve is Sunday night. New Year's Day is mm-hmm. Monday. Well, hi, yay, yay. Uh,
0: my weekend was very boring. Uh, just hung out, relaxed. I loved it. <laughs> I, it's not boring for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Watched the new Leo movie. Big Leo fan. Leonardo. Leonardo? Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah. What
1: movie is that? It's
0: uh, Blood Moon Flowers. Oh,
1: three yes. and a half hours
0: long. It was exhausting. But we did rent the movie, which ah. I didn't know was possible yes. this early on, which was great because then we got to pause it and take breaks and it was good. It
1: was but good. you did it all in like, you know, one One evening.
0: sitting, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Christina was not happy about it, but... <laughs> I've refused. I refuse to like actually take a real break. I can't stand that.
1: Oh my gosh. So we uh, rented Oppenheimer. I had, had we hadn't oh, seen it in yeah. the theater. But similar, I think it, I mean I think it's it was long. 3 hours, maybe not quite as long, but we started it one night and then we were like, okay, and again, you know, you're going to say I'm old, but we were tired. So we are like, okay, we watched the 8:30 hit and we are
0: just going to make but, it.
1: I don't know. I mean, it was a really good movie, but it wasn't like really action-packed. I no, mean, there's yeah. like one little bit of it that's, you know, some action, but...
0: I think people like imagined it being about Hiroshima, which it mm-hmm. just isn't. Like you, you don't really see, uh, there's not much action in it, uh, like you said, other than kind of the very end and everything else is building up to it, which yeah. I went into it knowing that and I was looking forward to it and I yeah. also love the main actor, uh, yeah, it's Thomas funny. Shelby from, uh, I can't remember the the show. But he's fantastic. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there was so much of the whole political aspect and all of, you know, what was going on at the time, which was interesting, which actually reminds me, too, because I just watched um, the series um, Fellow Travelers. I don't know if you've seen this one. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy situation, and it's these these, uh, two gay men um, but it's back in like 1950s, Washington McCarthy era mm-hmm. and, um, in, I mean, you know, where they're trying to persecute anybody who might have any connection to, uh, communism and, and also anybody, um, with any connection to homosexuality, same wow. thing, losing jobs. Um, I mean, suicide, horrible, horrible situation, but it was kind of, kind of reminiscent of that whole time frame. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we have weekends ahead, um, Good Check in. I do want to make sure we get into updates on cases. I feel like every week this week we are just jam packed with topics and we are trying to fit every little bit in.
1: Yeah, lots and lots of a lot, of, blah, a lot is happening. Yeah, uh,
0: what, what so, updates you got for us?
1: Okay, well, um, the first one is another big award, um, against Monsanto. And so Monsanto is the the company that makes uh, Roundup. But this one, we had talked a few, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Actually, it was at the same school in Washington. And there had been a really big verdict. And this had to do um, with the chemicals and the light fixtures that were, the the chemicals were leaking out over the years and causing all sorts of health conditions. Um, And this one, they got hit with an $857 million verdict.
0: So the chemicals and the light fixtures, I thought Monsanto was Roundup, the pesticide.
1: Well, Monsanto um, owns Roundup, but they they make a lot of products, a lot of chemical Uh, products. And so one of them is Roundup. Up, and they have been obviously slammed time and time again on yeah. on those, and um, and this one I think it was a couple of weeks ago we had talked about it, but it was the same Washington school, and this had been going on for years. And people were getting extremely sick. This one involved five former students and two parent volunteers. And they had a variety of illnesses, uh, neurological issues, cognitive problems, um, autoimmune, Mm -hmm. um, and cancers. So um, anyway, another big slam for for them.
0: That does sound familiar. what, What chemicals are in light fixtures? I mean, I didn't think it was that elaborate of a... Oh, I guess maybe like the, the long ones that, that schools typically have, the fluorescence. I can imagine those maybe having some.
1: Yeah, the product actually is polychlorinated biphenyls.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we did mention that in the other one, but um, so they are used in commercial and industrial lighting fixtures, and it was a situation where they were aware that it was very dangerous and they were still um, you know incorporating them into the fixtures and not warning um, and, and and this again is a situation where a, a big portion of it was punitive damages. Oh. It was seven hundred and eighty. 4 million in punitive damages. How much was total? Um, 857 million. So there was 73 million in compensatory, and this is for seven people, and and then serious, you know, long term and permanent, yeah. and some debilitating health, ten debilitating million per person exactly. around, yeah, around that. Um, but then 784 million in punitive damages. So again, you know, it's that punitive damages are where the jury's really pissed off, and they're like, you know, this this is yeah. extreme, potentially, you know, not exactly intentional, but something where they certainly could have prevented. It, they had avoidable. enough information, and they just chose not to by prioritizing profits yeah. um, over the safety of, of people and, and, and lives lost. So.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, at this point, it's almost like a Monsanto classic of just chemicals being in their products, them being aware of it, not warning against it, uh, and, and not doing anything about it, You know, not pulling yeah. it back or not doing any recalls, anything like that. Um, with these large punitive damages um, are these, are you, are you able to bring this up in future cases? For example, like the, are they, for this one, were they able to bring in some of the roundup situations or, because it, it seems like it is just a common trend with Monsanto. And so if there's any lawsuit for any of their products, I'd imagine, um, you know, one of their other products that has a history of having, you know, chemical problems would be yeah. relevant.
1: So generally that wouldn't come in, the case would be tried on the facts of, of the case <clears throat> itself. But the decision to whether or not to let other, you know, prior bad acts and those sorts of yeah. things come in um, is up to the judge. And that's one of those motions that we call emotions in limine. So they're pretrial motions where the judge is setting the parameters, what evidence is going to come into the trial and what evidence isn't. And yeah. in fact, one of the really important motions is whether or not you're even going to be able to ask for punitive damages huge, huge motion, Yeah, um, because oh, yeah. depending on which way that goes, um, you know, it can open the floodgates, right? And so so a lot of times, um, if there's going, to, it, you know, if there's a potential for settlement, depending on how those motions go, um, the cases can settle right before trial, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and when when a judge says, yes, the, the uh, punitives are coming in, mm-hmm. you know, then you know that the risk is much, much more significant. Likewise, you know, certain types of evidence if that's going to come in. Um, I had a case years ago involving a woman who died in um, a sauna at a health club.
0: Oh, I remember this one.
1: Yeah, it was a really intense, crazy case. But but that case ended up settling actually during the trial, but after the motions in limine, because they decided to allow certain photographs into evidence Mm -hmm. that were going to be Uh, pretty upsetting to the jury, and rightfully so.
0: Do you want to give a little bit of background on this story so people can kind of have an idea of what these photographs would be? If I was a listener, I would be dying to hear it. I'd be incredibly Uh curious. I'd be on the edge of my seat.
1: Well, it was really, really... Oh, this is such a frustrating and awful case. Um, But like I said, we we got all the way to trial and they did ultimately settle it. But what happened was that it was a gym in town that is out of business now. Um, And this was quite a few years ago. But they had a – well, there's a program through Medicare called Silver Sneakers. And it's a program for um, people on Medicare who are older – they get you know free access to gyms, and certain gyms will have programs designed for elderly people, a mm-hmm. lot of like water aerobics, low impact types of of workouts, things along those lines. And so she was a member of the Silver Sneakers program. And so we know that the gym was well aware that there were elderly people there. Yeah. um, saunas can be super dangerous, um and they need to be monitored. And people cannot spend, you know th- there's regulations on how long people should be in there and how the temperature has to be set. Mm-hmm. Well, at this gym, they, um, the the, the uh, industrial thermometer had broken. And so they had a meat thermometer, you know, the thing you stick in the meat. Yeah, yeah. And they just like stuck it in the wall in the sauna. Nice. And then they were not monitoring. And so the woman was in the sauna and she had um, an event in lost, con- lost consciousness and she basically was cooked. It was like an oven. And she Jeez. was in there long enough that she looked like she had been cooked. And so... Uh, These these
0: punitive damages are are massive, and it's clear that Monsanto, with its history, they've been getting hit pretty hard with these punitive damages. And um, I know that you've mentioned a lot about how the board that oversees the company, right? They 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 need to feel safe, and they want the investors to feel safe and think that they're not going to be hitting getting hit with these numbers consistently. How I mean, how are they managing? Because I mean, that is seven hundred million over seven hundred million for seven people. Um, they and they have other products that are also getting massive punitive damages. How do they have the money of for this, first of all? And then second, you know, how are, are they planning on just continuing to pay? I mean, that just seems so unsustainable.
1: Well, yeah. So, what what they're likely doing is they're saying, oh, well, first of all, they're, of course, already saying we're going to appeal. This is ridiculous. It should not have happened, blah, blah, blah. You know, so they're saying they're going to appeal. They're reassuring the, you know, the investors and the board um, that they, first of all, that they have set uh, funds set aside to handle these and that this one will get overturned and that they will potentially be, you know, resolving other cases and they do have a fund for that. So, that's what they tell the investors. But, I mean, you know, um, it's still, when these things happen, you see the stocks take a hit. I mean, investors aren't idiots. Um, and if they listen to our podcast, they uh, know that these companies are big fat liars.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to have some money set to a side, set to the side, but 700 million. I mean, that is nearly a billion dollars again for seven, right?
1: 857 on this one, but yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Over over yeah. 700, over 800 million. And what a billion is a thousand millions, right? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a math whiz over here, but that's my rough estimate. I mean, nearly close to a billion dollars for seven individuals in this case, and that is just one product out of you know several that they're having issues with. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine how that conversation goes. It's like, hey, we have money set aside. Okay, how much money? You know, right. like this is. Well,
1: the other thing is with these. I mean, so these products were actually outlawed. Um, the company stopped making them in the, in 1977. So it's not like a situation where um, there's going to be ongoing cases and they're still trying yeah. to sell these products. The problem is that they. they. They didn't make enough effort back when they stopped selling them to ensure that the the companies they had sold them to, or the build, you know, people who uh, utilize the buildings, own the buildings, were having them removed. They didn't make any. They didn't make adequate efforts to do that. So this isn't something that's ongoing. You know, for example, like Roundup. I mean, they're still selling Roundup. Yeah. And so those cases could keep on going. Um, You know, and and I guess the you know. Investors are going to invest in what they want. They want to invest in, um, you know, chemicals are a big business, and yeah. chemicals are high risk. So you're going to expect some issues. But again, it's one of those situations where if they respond in an appropriate way, and they warn when they find out about the problems, and they recall when they find out about issues, if they do all of the right things, the lawsuits aren't successful. Yeah. But um, but but when you start seeing punitive damage awards, what you know is they didn't do the right thing. They didn't yeah. act reasonably. I
0: mean, they're supposed to do kind of the very basics to make sure that people aren't having these terrible injuries because of their products that they knowingly they, that they know can cause these problems. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. And I mentioned this last time we talked about Monsanto, but that there isn't um, some type of governmental regulation here. I mean, chemicals, like you said, is high risk and you recognize that and you know that there are going to be issues. But when there's a company that has consistently shown that they are untrustworthy, Right. Like even not even not only is it their products and their chemicals go bad, but when they do go bad, they don't take the necessary actions to protect their their customers and their their users. Uh, I mean, how does that even continue?
1: Well, you know, and I mean, in theory, there could be criminal um, charges, like with some of the opioid cases and that sort of situation, where you know it's a a real um, hazard to you know society in general, and they knowingly you know put these things out on the market. I don't know that Monsanto has risen to that level. Um, You know, that would be you know one angle of it. That that, that there could be criminal charges pursued if it's really extreme.
0: Well, that's crazy. Uh, over $800 million, uh, on a case with seven plaintiffs. I'll be interested to see... How Monsanto does, I mean, more updates with Roundup, obviously, seeing how those cases go out, but they are getting hit hard with punitive damages across yeah. the board.
1: Well, and this is this one particular school, too, because the last time we talked about it, it was the same school, a different group of plaintiffs. Um, so clearly, this was oh. a situation where they needed to, um, you know, they, they should not have left these these products, these chemicals in in a school where people were, you know, exposed to it daily for years and years and years.
0: Yeah, that school is unlucky. They're getting the shit end of the stick there.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: Uh, what else do you got for us for updates?
1: Well, CPAP. Um, we talked actually last week about the whole hoopla with um, the F- questioning the FDA's oversight of medical devices based on the way this whole CPAP thing went down and the fact that there were complaints and complaints and complaints back in 2011, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until literally 10 years later that finally something was done. And so it really put the spotlight on why was the FDA not taking action sooner, and why were they letting uh, CPAP or the, the- Get away with this for as long as they were, and and I think you had said too that maybe the, you know this whole this is going to bring shed some more light on it and bring more attention to it. And sure enough, um, two senators. Uh, Senator Richard Durbin and Richard Blumenthal um, have uh, basically called them out and said, you know, we need to take a look at this. This is not okay. Based on that study, the article that we talked about with ProPublica and the other news agency, um, but uh, based on that investigation, they said – not cool. We need to do something about it. And so um, what they've done is they're asking an entity that I was actually not familiar with, it might be embarrassing to say that, the Government Accountability Office, GAO. And I wasn't real clear about what that is, but they asked the GAO and Congress to re-examine the Food and Drug Administration's oversight of medical device recalls. So they want them to look and, um, and and really dig into Um, how the FDA is handling these things and monitoring these things. Um, And so since I wasn't familiar with GAO, I... Did a little research on that, um, and it's considered the congressional watchdog. So it's an independent, nonpartisan agency that works for Congress, and so um, Congress can actually go to this independent agency and say there's a problem with something, some aspect of government, some yeah. governmental agency, and then they get involved and do an independent study and uh, and report back. So. So maybe something really is going to change as a result of, you know, this whole debacle with the CPAP machines.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully, I think it it sheds a ton of light. It puts the spotlight on the the FDA and some inconsistencies and issues that they've obviously been struggling with for over 10 years now. Um, the Governmental Accountability Organization office, GAO, office yeah. yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you don't know much about it, because <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem like many people are being held account- accountable uh, in the government. Yeah, uh, it, it, It's good to see that something like that exists and that it's being called upon and hopefully will uh, enact some type of action. But it's also concerning to me that it's not called upon more often because I would imagine there's a lot of situations where accountability is is just not being held.
1: Right. And and so and, and again it goes to why haven't I heard about this? Mm-hmm. And, and so I what I don't know is how effective it really is, you know, how in depth you know these uh, reports are and what happens when they do find a problem within an agency. And this may be one again that gets a lot of attention because of you know the myriad of people who are affected. I mean yeah. millions and millions of people. So because it's such a big deal and now it's gone to this GAO yeah. Maybe this will be how a lot of us learn about it and see how effective it is and Mm. if they are able to force uh, changes to be made um, and improvements in the system.
0: Yeah, I'm still pretty pessimistic just because even though they say they're independent, bipartisan organization, nothing really is in my mind. I think there's just way too much money uh, at stake. But I will say that when people shit the sheets this bad, that's when things actually change. Because I mean, hey, you leave a few pebbles in the sheets, you can kind of roll around, forget (laughs) about it, you don't see it. But when you just let loose an absolute... Shitstorm of of chaos and diarrhea throughout all of the sheets. Then it's like, okay, well, we can't ignore this. You know, we got a problem. The visual on this. is disturbing. We're, we're, we got to get some diapers. I don't know what's gonna happen. Bleach oh, throughout yeah. the sheets. You gotta just throw out the bed. At throw that out point. the bed. Yeah, and, and I then mean, maybe
1: that's how bad it is. Yeah,
0: and, and that's that's what the FDA is right now. It's the bed. <laughs> it's the bed with shitty sheets all over it.
1: Well, I mean, it it, it serves it has very important functions, but they're not being enforced, they're not um, they're not adequate at this point. And yeah. so maybe this is what makes the changes. But I mean, you know, what we were talking about last week with the fact that that you know their computer system was like ancient and you know they were putting little stickies on their computer to they monitors, had like, what, 10 and, people. and yeah, they're not, they're totally understaffed um, and you know underfinanced I'm sure. Yeah. And you know that what they were working with, their IT, their equipment was just absolutely not up to up to snuff. So, um, you know, hopefully, I mean, I'm really curious to see, because again, I mean, it's kind of strange that I'm like, well, I mean, not that I know every agency that exists, but I hadn't heard of this. Um, and so, um, I would like to see if, if they do actually, um, do something about this.
0: Yeah, and, and part of me thinks, too, is that this lack of funding, this lack of support for FDA uh, is not a coincidence. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 with how often the FDA, like the name of it gets thrown around. Um, not only by, uh, you know, companies, but even with the whole COVID vaccine, right? Like government and, and senators and everyone was saying, well, it's FDA approved. Like the FDA rushed this through and, and there's they're putting so much weight on the name. Uh, yet on the back end and behind the scenes, there's so little funding. There's so little support. They're understaffed. You know, they're giving all this accountability to an organization they know doesn't have the resources to do what they are tasked to do
1: well and, and and as you say when people are saying "Oh it's FDA approved," people don't understand that the, what that means is that the company trying to get it approved did all of the studies and provided all of that information and research to the FDA, and the FDA just stamped it the FDA itself didn't yeah. do anything and again, because they don't have the resources and the the ability to do that um, yeah so so yeah, we think you know we think we're safe and we think that this you know agency is protecting all of us, and maybe this is just what it takes to blow that out of the yeah. water and to to bring to everybody's attention hey you're not as safe as you think you are you're not as protected as you think you are and you know this agency needs some serious revamping
0: yeah so, uh, and I, I think I think that's a great point Hopefully yeah. this is the turning point for the organization uh, the CPAP situation is it's insane how widespread it is I mean literally every single device of, uh, that yeah, yeah. Is, is problematic in some way and they're recalling it. But they still don't have a fix. They don't have enough products they can't to replace actually them replace them enough. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so people, and literally, people have been using these things detrimental health for, for ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who've had them at the beginning of this, um, and continuing to use them. So, um, so yeah, uh, big par- big problem. But actually, on that CPAP issue, there's another little update too. Uh, we had spoken about the fact that there was there were two. Well, there's the uh, individual cases for the physical injuries. But then there's also a class action for the financial out of pocket on the on the actual devices and the replacement of the devices, and that settlement was entered into in September. Hmm. But there it is now open for claims, so claims can now be submitted, and that it, you can do that by going to the uh, Philips website, and we can throw up a link to that. Um, and also, you know, if you want to contact us. And he's really good at directing people yeah. on how to do this. You know, so it's not huge amounts of money, but again, it is a, is is a reimbursement for your out of pocket expenses for these machines. And by taking this, uh, you know, this monetary settlement, it does not affect your ability to still pursue again. a claim for your injuries. And those are separate; those are ongoing. Um, we're getting calls on those pretty regularly. Um, signing cases on those, so um, that's definitely a very active litigation right now.
0: Yeah, that's a big one. And if anyone listening does use a CPAP machine and you haven't been tuning in the previous ones, uh, every every CPAP machine is affected by this. And so, definitely recommend reaching out to uh, probably firstly a doctor and making sure there aren't any adverse effects from from long term use, and then reaching out to an attorney. It's good to hear that they are reimbursing for that because. I mean, I would be, I'd be triggered. I'd be so upset even with the reimbursement, the time and the stress and just the annoyance of having to go through all those steps is, is just an entirely separate thing. Um, And it doesn't affect the initial case as well.
1: Right, right, yeah, and and it's it's there's a variety of conditions that um, can be caused by this foam, and not just the ones that are really obvious as far as like lungs and throat and nasal, but other cancers as well. So um, definitely, you, you want to see a doctor if you have any of these conditions. But you also might be already being treated for one of these conditions, and you have absolutely no idea that it could have been related um, to the CPAP. So it's a good thing to take a look at that list. It's a very long list that is available on our website. Um, But to take a look and see, because if you're being treated for, you know, any type of of cancer, um, a lot of those are included, any kind of respiratory issues, um, just take, you know, take a look because it may be on that list and it may be something that you could pursue.
0: Yeah, it's so crazy to me too that, like, it's so widespread Spread because when I was having some sleeping issues, I went to a sleep specialist and the first thing they did was wanting me to go home and do like an at-home sleep test and said it was probably sleep apnea and that I was probably going to get a CPAP machine. Like that's the most common thing. Yeah, it seemed like that was so kind of fun. their auto reflex when people come in with with sleeping issues. And obviously there's uh, unique cases where that, that doesn't help or it's not that situation. Uh, but I always imagine CPAP machines being a weight thing, right? Like, like it being oriented around people's weight. Uh, but realistically there's a array of conditions that could lead to it.
1: I mean, a lot of people, they, you know, if they are overweight, it, it's an issue. Um, but, and then, and they can, um, improve that if they lose weight on (laughs) Ozempic. not really, (laughs) not the best route to go, but, um, but there are, as you said, other conditions and people who, um, are not overweight that still uh, require the CPAP machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, normally, and so you didn't go through that whole process no. where you, yeah.
0: I mean, I was kind of like triggered because when I went there, you know, when you're talking to someone and especially a doctor, you can kind of tell when they're really listening to you and like when they're, they're consciously there compared to just nodding their head and, you know, yeah, going yeah, yeah. through the, the, the motions. Um, I felt that, I felt that when, with this guy and I mean, I'm sure maybe I have sleep apnea, but I didn't necessarily like the way that it was handled where it was immediately, you know, okay, this is probably it. And we can actually sign you up for a CPAP machine that you can rent from us and pay <laughs> yeah. extra fee. Like it was just this whole cycle. I was like, yeah, this just feels sticky to me.
1: Well, it's interesting too. And, and, you know, you should ask Christina. I mean, I, uh, my ex-husband, we won't mention his name on here, but <laughs> had sleep apnea and required one of those machines, but before he was diagnosed, I mean, I knew because you can notice when somebody stops breathing, um, especially because he was always tired all the time. He would fall asleep in like in the middle of depositions because you, you know you don't get enough sleep, um, and so you're tired all the time. Um, and, and, but he did go to the lab. And in fact, I remember it was, uh, it was kind of funny because he was like, okay, you know, I'll see you in the morning. He was going to you, you're supposed to sleep there overnight and yeah. they monitor you. And I was like, woohoo, night on my own, <laughs> you know? And then it's like two hours later, he walks in the door. I'm like, what the heck? And he goes, oh, I'm an overachiever. He was like, they diagnosed me in the first hour. And they said, <laughs> OK, we don't even need to finish the thing. You have sleep apnea. You need yeah. the machine. Go home. And I was like, damn.
0: He wasn't even <laughs> fully out before he stopped breathing for a little bit. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So he had it bad. And he had the whole big, big old machine. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of, I, I don't, I think it would be hard for me to sleep with it. It's hard for me to sleep next to it. I can tell you that too. But I'm
0: going to imagine. It's a noisy and. Yeah, I like to sleep on my side as well. Uh, And I think...
1: Yeah, I don't think you can do that very well with it. Yeah, anyway.
0: Well, the CPAPs will continue to update because that is a massive case. And hopefully that is kind of the turning point, like I said, for the FDA to where people start to really realize the issues and the problems associated with it. And it's not this, you know, uh, mystical organization that is able to protect the public um, at all times from all of these products. And, And the fact the matter is is that they actually don't have the resources to do it and oftentimes or pretty much all the time the documents and the testing that they're receiving is directly from the medical company itself which i think is just insane insane yeah
1: yeah it's, it's a crazy system but you know well that's what we do
0: updates okay <laughs> so
1: another update um and of course we talked about tesla last time um a study just came out indicating that they that tesla has the highest accident rate of any auto brand Interesting. Yeah. Um, so drivers of Teslas are the most accident-prone, um, and they analyzed 30 car brands. Um, the rate was 23.54 accidents per 1,000 drivers.
0: 23.14? 5,4. 5,4. Wow. 23.5 wow.
1: per 1,000 drivers. Um, The only others that came that were more than 20 per thousand were Ram and Subaru, which when I saw Subaru, I'm like, what? Because Subaru, don't you think of that as being like, I don't know, kind of granola and, you know, croc wearing people who don't (laughs) really seem like they do a lot of... Yeah. crazy driving. I don't know.
0: I don't know. But maybe they're also the ones that aren't really super, you know, paying attention and then kind of just going with the flow. The Tesla, I think, is is really interesting because I feel like one of the biggest arguments behind um, the autopilot and, and, and kind of the ho- whole idea of a smart car is to prevent car crashes and, and prevent, yes, yes. you know, injuries along those lines. Uh, so it seems insane to me and very counterintuitive that they're actually the highest.
1: Well, and part of that, I think, does go to this whole autopilot software. And the, as we talked about last time, um, almost all of them have been recalled based on this auto steer Um, But, you know, and the the whole intention of the auto steer, um, you know, they say that, well, people are still supposed to be attentive and ready to take control and, you know, not sleeping or reading or whatever else, you know, you see these crazy things on TikTok, what people are doing. Um, but it's kind of promoted. It's questionable as to how, whether yeah. it's promoted that you're really still supposed to be 100% attentive, but people aren't. And so that um, is problematic. And then we also have this issue that, um, well, they're saying that that really this whole autopilot should not be used on any kind of road where there's cross traffic, because the issues, is these big accidents that we've talked about with these deaths and, you know, trucks turn in front, and they they go under and basically decapitate and kill the driver. Um, so the, really, that autopilot should only be like on a freeway where there's not any kind of cross traffic, you're just going straight forward. But there's nothing to disable it or to, you know, limit where people can use it. And, and again, that's, it's, you know, recalled because of this issue. And so that may well have a lot to do with, uh, you know, the, the accident rates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I assumed most of these car crashes were probably, or accidents in general um, were were having to do with the auto steering. And, and on the similar topic is earlier on this weekend, actually, I was driving and I was in the parking lot and I saw Waymo, drive into the parking lot, and those are insane to me. Those are absolutely insane because yeah. people, some people think it's crazy. I mean, I do think it's crazy, right? People falling asleep at the wheel uh, while there's autopilot. But these Waymo cars, there's literally no one in the car, like yeah. no one at all, not even passengers, not people in the back, no driver. It is a fully just automated uh, vehicle. And so it's crazy to me that that technology exists and that those are out on the streets mm-hmm. and, and, and happening. Um, and then we're still seeing so many problems with Tesla. I mean, I would imagine there being issues with both, but it's almost seeming like it's more of
1: yeah. So Mipsby, it's a different technology. Yeah. What do the Waymos do?
0: They uh, they're like Ubers. They're like Ubers, and they just do pickups and drop offs. And I'm pretty sure you can download the Waymo app. Not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> um,
1: so so people are they are passengers in them?
0: Yeah, you hop in the back seat. Okay, and and it takes you to your destination. And you probably you've probably seen it driving around Tucson as yeah. well they have the big spinning things on the top on the back on the sides um but it I mean it is actually shocking when you're just sitting there and you see a car pull in past you or next to you with no no one in it like no, I actually know I'm not
1: ready for that yeah
0: that's kind of like scary to me. You know, the whole idea of AI taking over, which I think is a very real concern, but not something we have to worry about anytime soon and I won't get into. But uh, the fact that that's possible is uh, concerning. But
1: so how is it that they don't have any issue, you know, with vehicles turning in front of them? I mean, I haven't heard a lot of, of, yeah. of, of you know, situations where there were accidents or lawsuits. Actually, I'll, I'll uh, research that for for next week and just see what I can find out. But I mean, I haven't, I certainly haven't seen anything coming through on, you know, the news things that I follow.
0: Yeah. I have no idea either. I mean, I've seen some clips of like where, and I think I mentioned this in one of the previous episodes where Waymo is getting pulled over and it doesn't oh. recognize that. And there's people in the backseat that are, you know, the cops trying to just get in from the car, stop it and get it to pull to the side. And the, co- the car doesn't know that. It's trying to like go around the guy and back oh reverse God. and go back around. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy. That's
1: yeah, crazy that that's legal. Yeah. Well, I don't know.
0: Well, Tesla seems to constantly be in the news about something that <laughs> makes sense that uh, it has to do with the autopilot already a recall. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, this study probably opens people's eyes up a little bit about this blind trust that I think a lot of people have for the autopilot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next update um, is back to talcum powder, and we've talked a lot about the talcum powder cases, um, and a lot of that we see um, in the situations where um, women uh, end up with ovarian cancer as a result of using the talcum powder, um, and then also men who use it on their chests can can develop mesothelioma. Um, there was a recent case, <clears throat> and it was the first one that I'd heard of, involving the usage on a baby, and I think you might have even asked about this because, you know, the whole... Main use of, of of Johnson's baby powder has always been, you know, when you're diaper, you're changing diapers. You yeah, I use it on my
0: diapers all the time.
1: <laughs> after you shit the bed, and yeah, that. exactly. Well,
0: I mean, that's now, now. I don't shit the bed. It's in it's in the diaper.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Full Perfect. circle. Great plan. Yeah. So, um, and this is a situation where. A, um, see, a 24-year-old man had developed pericardial and pleural mesothelioma um, without other risk factors, and so it was determined that, um, when well, well, they knew that when he was a baby, his mother had used it every day during diapering um, and then after baths. And, um, and so then at 24, he develops this this horrible mesothelioma um, and he was awarded, um, a jury awarded him $18.8 million. That so they did is find, insane. Yeah. So they did find that that, that was the, uh, you know, in their opinion, that was the cause of the mesothelioma. And so
0: he wasn't even using it once he grew out of that baby diaper stage. Right. It was all, like that entire thing was accounted Towards his mother using it when he was a toddler.
1: Exactly, and you know, and this goes to the 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 issue that we've talked about a lot. That is that this condition it's not something that happens, you know, in six months or even a uh, year. I mean, it develops, you know, oftentimes over decades. I mean, you see it like twenty years later. Crazy, right? Right, and um, you know, so that's that's pretty scary too. But again, a twenty four year old having mesothelioma that's unless he was, you know, been again, even you can't even he was, imagine
0: a situation where it makes sense. For someone that age,
1: well, right? Because otherwise, I mean, even if you were working in one of these environments where you're exposed to it, you can't start working till you're what 16, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you, you know, it's going to take 10 years to, you know, minimum to probably develop. Yeah. So this was the first one that I had heard of where a, a jury had actually reached a verdict for someone who had, I shouldn't say he used it, who um, was he was exposed to it as a, yeah. as a baby. Um, it makes it's, it's, it's terrifying because I mean, people just do. You know, I've always done that.
0: Yeah, I mean I can't imagine how the mother feels as well yeah. because I mean obviously it's not her fault, but I would imagine
1: No, I mean she thought feels... she was she thought it was safe. I mean it certainly has been promoted and yeah. advertised as being safe for decades and decades and decades.
0: What's even scarier about that is that this is all coming out very recently, right? That this mm-hmm. is a problem that is causing these health issues. But it's been being used for decades and decades, so there could have been a lot of young mesothelioma cases, or not even just young, uh, just mesothelioma cases in general, no matter what age they develop it at, that is attributed to usage when they're a baby.
1: Or they just have no idea. Yeah, it could have been as a result, but they didn't know. Yeah, um, and well, and you think about this. They, you know, Johnson Johnson knew back in the seventies about this problem, and had they pulled it off of the market in the seventies instead of. 2024 when it's going to happen, yeah. um, you know, how many millions of people have been exposed and even they aren't diagnosed yet, but how many people are getting diagnosed daily, um, you know, and, and and then they may have other um, exposures too, and that that's what's getting blamed for it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, that is a really interesting case and situation. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it, 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 you also can't even imagine what it's like for, for the victim. I mean, it's yeah. one thing where you're using a product and you weren't warned of their risks. It's another thing where, you know, you didn't even knowingly use it.
1: We are an innocent little baby.
0: Just a little baby. And you grow up and then when you're 24 right you're almost in your you're pretty much in your prime of your years and you get hit this with this life changing disease and that's crazy. Yeah. Well,
1: and he's 24 now this goes to trial. I mean, he's probably had, was diagnosed with it f- shoot 4 or 5 years ago by the time you're going to wow. get to trial yeah. right and, yeah. and and everything. So, yeah, I mean that was just because I've always kind of wondered, well, what about the babies and yeah. was it just a short enough time period um, but no. Nope.
0: I wonder if they're more susceptible as well, because I know babies, you know, right? They're very soft. They're, <laughs> they're soft creatures. and oh, have... Their
1: lungs are just like barely developed, exactly. right? I mean. Higher
0: yeah. risk, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this case definitely seems like a sleeping giant. Because it has been known for so long, 1970s, I think you said, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been kind of like a staple for not only baby care, but also men and women hygiene and kind of Mm -hmm. day to day. And the... Disease and illnesses, the problems that it cause are ones that take decades to develop. At times, yeah. um, so really, it, this this seems like one of those situations where we'll be seeing it for for a while. So kind of similar to Roundup as well, where you know they just some of these cases come out of the woodworks out of nowhere.
1: Well, definitely, and you know it was on hold for a couple of years there because of the whole Texas two step LTL bankruptcy bullshit. Um, but they're back, and yep. they're going to trial, and you know I, they're going to have to to, to Face it and and deal with them, uh-huh. uh, but you know, and the thing that makes me crazy too is that I mean, is there any household in this entire country that hasn't ever had a bottle of Johnson's baby powder in it? I mean, it is permeated every single household, probably. Yeah. I mean, maybe not used on a daily basis, uh-huh. but for a lot of people, it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like with babies, but I mean, I remember seeing the commercials for it as well. I mean, it, it is everywhere. Johnson and Johnson. Um, I, yeah.
1: Well, and come to think of it, all the times I poofed it on your butt and I probably inhaled it. Now you're 25. No. I mean, I'm I, I better I, get checked out.
0: I could be sleeping case right now.
1: It's not <laughs> sleep apnea. Yeah, it's mesothelioma. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is going to be one of those cases that just keep coming up. And I would compare Johnson & Johnson to Monsanto where they just have a variety of different products, a variety of different issues, a variety of different situations where they know that there's problems associated with their products and it is causing damage to the public and they knowingly don't do anything about it. Or they do very, very little about it compared to, you know, what they could have.
1: Exactly. And then that's when they get slammed with punitive damages. Yeah.
0: Thank God. You Yeah. Know. Um, we are kind of coming to a close here on on the show, but I do want to make sure we go over everything.
1: All right. Well, so on the mesothelioma front, there's another case that I wanted to talk about briefly, and we might have addressed this issue, but um, you know, it's it's again, it's not your standard case, and that's the um, the secondary exposure. Um, and so, so there was a, a recent case again where um, the daughter. Of someone who had worked in um, a workplace where he was exposed to as uh, to asbestos regularly, um, she developed mesothelioma, and that is a result of the fi- the mesotheli the. Uh, Fibers coming asbestos as fibers on you know his clothing. He would come home from work, wow. hug his daughter. You know the, the, the clothes would be laundered exactly. And so um, you know the argument was, well, that's not a foreseeable plaintiff. We can't have to worry about protecting you know the kids of our workers type of thing. And what the court held is that it was reasonably foreseeable um, that by exposing the employee, you are also going to be exposing the family. And so uh, it, since it was such a dangerous product, um, and and this woman did develop mesothelioma and ultimately passed away, um, they, they said, you know, yes, it was like a bystander was the way, they, but we're not responsible for bystanders. Well, yeah, this crazy. bystander you are. Um, yeah. So, and, and there have been other cases as well, you know, involving spouses and children, uh, you know, of workers who were exposed to asbestos. Um, you know, and and this was um, a, a case in Kentucky. Um, so it is a state by you know state potentially depending on where the case is being brought. But but yeah, those cases have been successful.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and so you mentioned that there's more cases similar to this, and those also were successful in the same way this one was.
1: Well, and I don't know about all of them, but I've you know heard of a number yeah. of them, and 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 generally they have. You know, generally, it's my knowledge they have been. Uh,
0: that makes sense. I mean, I, I understand their argument, and as a defense attorney, I would imagine that's kind of like your first go to. Can't really blame them for that, but at the same time it's it's like saying, yeah, we know that we are risking killing people, but we're not responsible for risking this person's life, yeah. only this person's life. When, <laughs> when really that's not the problem at hand. It's not whose life you're risking. It's the fact that that product was out there. It was causing damages and you were aware of it at the time.
1: Right. And so in, in the, the standard, well, the, the issue is to whom do you owe a duty? Yeah. Um, and so-
0: but Isn't it just the entire, I mean, American society?
1: Well, you owe a duty to anybody who would be, re- you re- where it's reasonably foreseeable that they would be affected. And so if it's reasonably foreseeable that someone would be affected by your product, then you owe them a duty, and it's reasonably foreseeable, according to the judge, that this that you know that the family members um, would be exposed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. I mean, that's like the hidden killer there. Uh, It almost reminds me of when I was in middle school and the other, like, don't smoke, don't smoke cigarettes. And they they tell stories about how one spouse would smoke every day and the other spouse didn't have a cigarette a single day in her life. And then all of a sudden she ends up getting cancer from uh, the secondhand smoke of the husband. Um, something along those lines it's just that's terrifying and I think what really makes it scary too is that uh, maybe it is a reasonable assumption when you have these damages if you're a worker but if you're a spouse or a family member or a child your first thought wouldn't necessarily be oh This came home with uh, this person once you know they got off the shift.
1: Right, right, yeah. But I mean, and and like, and with the smoking example, you know, um, I mean, that's probably it's a lot of the reason why the laws have changed about smoking in public places. Yeah. Um, Because back, I mean, I can remember the days where in you you could smoke in airplanes, and there was like a smoking section and a non-smoking section. So you know, row twenty-two back is smoking, but if you're in row twenty-one, and really, you (laughs) know, it's an enclosed plane and depending on how long the flight is, it's all the way up into row one, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's inhaling, exactly. Everybody's inhaling it. Um, and so everybody's getting exposed to the carcinogens. So.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that they made that decision. And I think it's it's good that they are showing protections for the family members connected and associated. I can't imagine the, uh, the problems that would take place if they did You know, kind of take the side of the company there.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, So is that, is that, that's all cases that kind of go towards the same thing, or would that be a separate, um, kind of like mass tort, a separate claim?
1: Well, so this, these are the asbestos cases and the mesothelioma. And we had talked about this, that there are certain certain companies that have funds set up so that you can actually make a claim yeah. to the fund. And then there are other companies where you actually have to file the lawsuit. And so they're generally individual lawsuits, mm. um, person by person. And they're you know pretty significant because, of course, mesothelioma is a really horrendous um, and oftentimes, well, always eventually fatal
0: yeah. And it's also one of those uh, conditions that we've talked about where it's pretty clear cut. It's case. really
1: specific. Yeah. Uh,
0: not, not very common. So if right. you got it, then it's probably connected to something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to go into ca- into questions. Or interesting cases in the news. I always do love the interesting cases.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about. Um, and it, well, one of the interesting cases is um, that this just came out. Uh, Southwest Airlines um, reached a hundred and forty million dollar settlement over this whole big crazy holiday flight canceling meltdown last year. Hmm. I don't know if you remember last time around Christmas, um, they had canceled I think seventeen thousand flights. Yeah.
0: Was right? it? Wasn't it the um, the pilots were on strike or something? No.
1: No. Months? This was a Weather situation and, and it started out. There was a big winter storm, and Denver and Chicago were affected. Um, and so, of course, when that happens, you're going to see some flight cancellations. But but it, it really snowballed because they had their their crew rescheduling system couldn't keep up with it. Um, and there were just a number of of problems. But they ended up with all of these people who I mean if, I don't if you remember like on TV. I mean there were people like camped out. And, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that. At, at, at at the airports, and they couldn't get anywhere. And this is like the largest fine. That's ever been imposed on an airline for violating consumer protection laws. So they, you know, it was it was a, a big big problem and, and a variety of issues that that um, they screwed up on. Um, they didn't really do anything to help people who were stranded in airports and hotels. Um, there's uh, there's a requirement when they make a uh, cancel or delay a flight that they have to notify the public within 30 minutes of a change. That didn't happen. People never got emails or texts about it. Um, nobody could get through to customer service. They were completely understaffed. Yeah, um, and they just fell apart. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, again. It's wintertime, there are going to be certain airports where, you know, you're going to have some weather issues. And they just really, as you would say, shit the sheets or shit the bed yeah. or I don't know what they shit. They shit, no, they no, shit a lot yeah, of stuff. It was, pretty, it, it was pretty bad. And then on top of that, they didn't get refunds processed very quickly. Um, so they, part of this agreement is that they have changed up their system, and they've added trucks and other de-icing equipment, increasing staff during extreme cold temperatures at certain airports, um, and um, and so part of, well, a lot of the settlement is going towards compensating future future passengers, um, because even before this settlement, they had, you know, they had to refund and, you know, compensate people for hotels and things along those, those lines, so they'd already paid out. Um, they said about $600 million in refunds and reimbursements. And so this is an additional $35 million fine. Um, and this then the whole settlement's $140 million.
0: I mean, it sounds like big numbers, but for but, an yeah. airline, I mean, that's kind of pennies compared to what they got in the uh, Treasury. Uh, It sounds like it's almost just a straight infrastructure issue, because like you said, you do expect there being some issue, some delays. Um, And side note, I think the way that our airline system works is insane. Like I actually can't even imagine. (laughs) It's hard to
1: comprehend, right? It it
0: really is. I mean, the amount of moving parts and you're also considering, you know, the staff and where they're located and everything, it is very impressive. And I can imagine how things get, get messy on the back end. But this also seems like a situation where they knew that there was potential issues. They knew that this was kind of a faulty system that was uh, standing up on on very, you know, wobbly legs. And once one, you know, maybe not big, but one medium-sized situation happened, it was just a domino effect and everything around it collapsed.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really, it was a whole, it was a nightmare. I was so glad I wasn't traveling and I'm still glad I don't usually travel over the holidays.
0: I can't even imagine the issues with that because I know, like you said, they did the refunds. It was what it was like roughly six hundred million reimbursements mm-hmm. and refunds. I at that I would want like more than that. I would want free flight vouchers. I mean, you were ruining thousands of Americans' holidays mm-hmm. and schedules mm-hmm. and. I mean, just the the situations of having to stay in an airport for that long period of time, and and, and also without the notifications. I think the notifications part yeah. is a really big point. Well, and
1: they couldn't get through to customer service to try to, you know, they didn't have enough people handling the calls, and and the, and the, just the rescheduling thing. I mean, it was a big nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the settlement is that going um, forward um, through April of twenty twenty seven, um, you are going to get a voucher for at least a minimum of seventy five dollars if you reach your destination at least three hours late. Um, wow. And that's it will, because of a delay or flight cancellation caused by the airline. If it's out of their hands, of course. And to, is
0: that is that specific airline? The one Southwest. Southwest yeah, Southwest it's part
1: of yeah. their deal. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I, that's that's interesting. I mean, three hours. That's not like rare. I would say. No,
1: I, I don't even complain about three hours. I yeah. mean, I mean, I'm not happy about it, but I mean, that's like within you know some you know within reason. But yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be keeping him on a on a tight leash now. It sounds like.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. It seems like. Uh, in which agency was this? That that's going to be overseeing this, I guess? Would it be an agency? I mean, I guess it's kind of the government, just more maybe the trust. Because I was going to say, this is more of a slap on our on the wrist. Not slap on the wrist, but this is more uh, ramifications than you'd see from the FDA or anything yeah. like that.
1: So it's actually the U.S. Department of Transportation.
0: Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, they got yeah, their yeah. shit together. Yeah. They got to send some people over to the FDA. They could use uh, some help. <laughs>
1: Well, in this three-hour thing too, I was just thinking when we were saying that that you know it feels to me like there's this little bit of a scam going on because I always get um, you know it, it tells you what time you're going to arrive at your destination. It'll say you know five forty-five, and then I swear they tack on like an extra hour there because you know they're like oh we're going to be yeah. we're going to be, have an early arrival of fifteen minutes, and I and then of course they're probably really actually forty-five minutes later than they should have gotten there. But you know, and again, you know, I guess that's still within within reason if I'm planning oh. to be someplace at that. that that time. Yeah, I think as long as they give you a heads
0: up on it, because I think it's fair for them to be ready for issues. I mean, like yeah. we said, the m- amount of moving pieces there are with this entire industry, it's really impressive <laughs> that, that things can keep on moving, especially with different airlines. and it, It's chaos, I can't imagine. So as long as they're giving a heads up about it, same thing with products, right? As long as they're giving a heads up about the risks, <laughs> then... They're okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, hopefully, hopefully over this holiday, yeah. everybody got where they wanted to go safely and with a minimum of delay, not more than three hours.
0: Yeah, and if you did have more of a three-hour delay from Southwest, then you're entitled for a nice little voucher, (laughs) little at least 75. 75. Very
1: big, very big. Yeah. So on questions and comments, it's actually uh, Danny and I were talking about this earlier, and it's not exactly a question or comment, but I thought I still thought it was interesting um, feedback from um, a potential client who was how to how to case, could have pursued the case, and asked Danny, well, how long is it going to take? And she said, well, you know, I can't tell you that. Um, you know, we certainly you can certainly talk to the attorney, but the attorney's not going to be able to tell you exactly how long it's going to take. Um, she gave her a little bit of information about kind of what's involved in that. And she said, okay, well, forget it. I don't want to wait. <laughs> well, it is just like... Crazy. Well, it's just kind of strange. because I'm like, okay, so what do you mean wait? I mean, so if you... if if you, you don't have to do a lot, basically. I mean, you give us the information, we get the medical records, you know, it's not like you're...
0: Once you give the information, they, I mean... You kind of sit
1: back. I mean, in theory, you could, you could end up having to litigate the case, but most of the time it's going to be a settlement. And so, okay, so what if it was a year? I mean, you still sat on your butt for the year, but you don't get anything at the end. So why not just I mean, it made no sense. We were kind of like chuckling about it, but she was like, oh no, if it's going to take a long time, I just don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't want to wait.
0: Yeah. Like she's going to have to be checking in on it every week when realistically that's just not the case.
1: Forget about it. I mean, it was just so strange.
0: That is odd. That is odd. I mean, I can understand people's frustrations with the time because I think if, unless you really understand what goes on the back end and, you know, how many moving pieces this are, there are, and how large these cases are, how many victims are. Um, it, it's it's easy to get frustrated because it does take a while right. um, once you start understanding the back end I think it's more understandable but I, I think it's all about the ease for for the client and realistically I mean we make it very easy and I think a majority of of law firms personal injury law firms make it very easy for. Uh, the clients.
1: Well, and then is it going to be a situation like with the 3M airplugs, where, you know, two years from now, she hears that there's this big settlement and everybody who did sign yeah. up is actually getting paid. She's going like, wait, I want to do it. Like, well, why didn't you sign up two years ago? And, you know, you here you are two years later, you would have been doing the same things for the last two years, but these people are getting money and you're not. Well, literally I mean, it doesn't just affect
0: like, their day to day at
1: all. Well, exactly. I just cannot figure uh, that was that was a that was stumper. We were like, wow, yeah,
0: maybe that's a good question for the audience. <laughs> you know, where, where, how do you, you know, get into that position or you know come to that conclusion, that perspective of not wanting to wait, um, and also maybe if ways that we can communicate it better because I think it is something people get frustrated about. I know when I was working um, as a legal assistant and car crash cases, they they're a little bit faster depending on the case. Some can be pretty mm-hmm. fast uh, because insurance companies are obviously just trying to get them out of the way. But uh, people will get really frustrated, really frustrated with yeah. it. And, and they'd just be like, well, I just want my car. I just want my money. And it's, it's not that simple. There is, there's a bureaucracy. Right, right. There's a lot of hoops you got to jump through.
1: Well, and it's just like you know, in, in a situation like this, I mean, you didn't have any money to, you know, for this case to start with. Don't plan for it. <laughs> pre-spend it. Assume it's going to be here at, certain, you know, at a certain time. But you know, a year and a half later...
0: It could be big too. I mean, well, some of these cases are massive. Yes,
1: yes, exactly, exactly. And so, anyway, that was strange. And then we had another. We had like we had a couple of like weird potential clients this week. Like really poor Danny, because the other one and this one was another kind of stumper. Um, so it was a client who was incarcerated, who has uh, it was a hernia mesh case, and those cases it, it's it's really difficult when they're incarcerated because the medical care is difficult to get. There's a lot of delay on it. Um, issues if you are going to you, they can't you know. As far as getting additional treatment, it's just it's very limited. Yeah. Um, you know, then there's of course issues if they're testifying, um, if it's a felony, which it probably is, if they're incarcerated, you know that can go to their credibility. So that's there's, a
0: lot more hoops. It's just it, it, so they're
1: not like. I mean, we absolutely take cases and we represent a number of people who are incarcerated, and, and you know we will certainly do that. But they are more difficult for the attorney. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this case send the fee agreement back. We get it back. <laughs> Completely. I'm not paying this. I'm not going to do that. Rewrote this, rewrote that, all kinds of stuff. And like, you know, like legally is like he was hanging out at the law library at the prison, you know, and this is I'm not signing this fee agreement like this. This is the way it's going to be. And we're like. "Mm." Interesting.
0: I don't know if he's in the position to really be.
1: So, well, so. well, I mean, but but so so the, the question of that is, it, it, I think, goes to you know how negotiable are the terms of a fee agreement? And absolutely, there are certain things that you know that can be discussed. But in most of these cases, and I think what people you know, and his thing was, well, I don't want to pay that much of the fee. Um, I mean, it's going to be a difficult, a more difficult case because you are incarcerated to start with, and then secondly, um, the reason you know, the attorney is the one who's going to do all of the work here, take all of the risk, and Put all of the money in. They're not paying the anything, is, right? I mean, basically, basically, they don't do anything, and so again, um, and even less probably if you're incarcerated, um, you're just not going to be available. I mean, in theory, we could go there for the deposition if need be, but um, <clears throat> but I mean, it's not particularly negotiable. I mean, there are some things, yes, on certain types of cases, but generally speaking, um, you know, the reason the, 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 most attorneys are not going to want to take the case. Um, you know for a significantly reduced yeah. fee you know again we're taking all of the risk yeah. um you know there you have to be compensated for the work you're doing um you know and so yes it's it's, it's fine to discuss that but i mean to completely rewrite a fee agreement both it's bold, and it's probably not going to fly. It's probably not going to yeah.
0: fly. Well, that is a good question. Is that because, to my understanding, the industry standard is essentially thirty-three point three percent of for
1: car accidents
0: for car accidents. Okay, yes, for and product liability, forty percent
1: for, for product liability and medical malpractice. That is forty
0: percent on top of costs associated with with pursuing it.
1: Well, is- so the costs, um, the costs are basically the client's responsibility, but almost all firms, and ours included, would advance those costs. Yep. And then get compensated back, um, and, you know. So basically, we're taking the risk yeah. because if the case is lost, you know, we're not going to go collect the costs from the client. A client could pay the costs up front if they want to, but of course, they're not going to want to. Um, so yeah, they would have the, the, the for the actual work. Mm-hmm. That's a percentage of the recovery, and then we would get reimbursed for the costs if we had paid them.
0: And do do any law firms do less than forty percent for these type of cases? I mean. I'm assuming it's up to the law firm itself if they want to lower that percentage. Is there ever like a bidding war on the really good cases?
1: (laughs) Not really. I think what happens is, you know, you sign that fee agreement initially, but there have been many, many, many times over the years where when the case is getting resolved, I do reduce the fee. Mm -hmm. And that's based upon, you know, depending on how much we're getting, how much the client's going to end up with. Absolutely. And every attorney is ethically obligated to look at the fee at the end of the case and determine whether it's reasonable under the circumstances. And so, you know, if you've litigated a case for five years, you probably are entitled to your 40%. Um, If we take the case and it's a slam dunk and they pay you, you know, well, like this will come at car accidents where they'd pay the policy limits the next day. Yeah. It is unethical to take a full fee on that. Yeah. Okay. You just didn't do enough work to earn that. Um, but you, you know, you're going to start off with that fee that's going to protect you in the event that it is a case you're litigating for yeah. five years. And then if things change, you'll have to modify it at that time.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, a really important point, and we've talked about this a lot is that there are no out of pocket costs for filing a case for, right. for the client though. There, right. there's a lot of upfront costs for, for the, for the attorney.
1: attorney. I mean, we pay all of those Exactly. Out,
0: yeah. And, and there's, it's not like he's having to, you know, take out a loan or anything along those lines. Um, and it's especially interesting because of the situation he's in, those require even more work and even more effort on your side of things. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's a, it's a good question and it's a good topic to bring up because I think a lot of people, I didn't know that I didn't know that you could actually negotiate it. And I guess technically you can, but most, most law firms kind of have their, their, um.
1: Yeah, well, in certain things, like, in, like car accidents, I mean, there is always like the people who um, advertise like a twenty-five percent fee. Um, so there are some that are you know lower yeah. fees, um, you know, on the car accidents, but you don't see that as much in the products liability. Again, these are very complicated cases, time intensive, um, uh, money intensive. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, potentially can be a, a high risk for the for the attorney. So um, you know, that's it, it's pretty much the standard. Is well, uh,
0: I also think that a lot of these these types of cases are a lot more like team atmosphere and everyone's on the same page when it comes to attorneys. Obviously you got your renegades on the side Mm -hmm. compared to car crashes, which is a little bit more competitive, uh, that, you know, they're going for more quantity over quality, but the, these, these mass tort mass litigation cases, um, it, it, all the lawyers are kind of on the same page. And so I think that mutual agreement probably extends maybe unknowingly to, to the percentages that you're taking out on it, right? Like yeah, everyone.
1: to some extent, I mean, I always think it's interesting when people do like a lot of like lawyer shopping and I think it's perfectly fine to interview different lawyers and find the lawyer that you're comfortable with, but you know, you don't want to just be like, well, what will you take and what will you take and go for the lowest bidder? Because that's not necessarily going to get you the bright, the best attorney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we have come to yes. the end of this show. Um, fantastic overall. I think we covered some really good topics, and it was very uh, holiday. It was very cheerful.
1: Yes, your hat looks fabulous.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I want to wish a Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us. And uh, also, thank you for the 10,000 subscribers. We mentioned it last show, but I don't think we can mention it enough of how appreciative we are that you guys hang out with us and, and, and um, just just us us to do what we do and, and listen to us ramble on about whatever we may be rambling on about and we really appreciate all the support that we've gotten um, if anyone does have any questions or concerns feel free to throw it in the comment section you can DM us on Facebook on Instagram we always are checking those as well as the email podcast at showeredlaw.com we'd love to hear feedback um, and if there's topics that you want us to cover because there's a lot of interesting stuff out there and it doesn't necessarily have to be about personal injury or mass torts I and mean, she's a she's a way is it just about everything when <laughs> I it comes don't to not know about
1: law. that, but we'll, we, we, can, we know people to ask, and we can research yeah. it for you if yeah. I don't know about it. Um,
0: but like I said, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, follow, throw a comment, whatever it is. Throw a like. We appreciate it. And Get
1: your friends to do it, too.
0: Yeah. Hope you guys have an amazing holiday, and be safe this upcoming New Year's. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing, prioritizing profits. Dangerous
1: drug and product cases.